Have you ever received a gift you never thought possible, or one you've always wanted and never received, and then it comes? How would you respond? I have some pictures coming up. Let's see if any of these are you. Hmm? See. Next. Mm. Is that you? Is that you? That's me. <laughs> so in the story of Elizabeth, we see as she progresses in her pregnancy, which was late in life, thanksgiving for someone else's blessing of childbearing. Elizabeth's blessing of pregnancy ended a life of stigmatism because she was unable to have children. But it also issued in the first recorded infilling of the Holy Spirit. We have a verse coming up here, Luke chapter 1, verse 15. In this verse, an angel appeared to Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, and told him about his future son. And it says, For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. So listen to what happens a few verses later to Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. It says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. The Holy Spirit gave Elizabeth the gift of knowledge that Mary was carrying the Savior. We see Elizabeth's joy at the blessing of the Savior being carried in Mary's room, womb. Point number one is gifts of blessings. And we see here three things in these verses. Number one, two cousins sharing in pregnancy together. Now that's a big blessing, you know. They can share in all the ups and downs that pregnancy brings, and I got a few things here about pregnancy that I'd like to share with you. Ups and downs, we will say. Bathroom breaks every three minutes, especially at night. Mm -hmm. Kung fu movements and rib kicks. Those were awesome. All those little hands move around. Heartburn. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep, yep. Cravings. Taco Bell, anybody? Mm hmm. Yeah. I still love Taco Bell, I'm not going to say. Aversion to certain foods that you previously loved. Not fair. Mm -hmm. Finding clothes that fit. That happens anytime, but especially in pregnancy. I see nods. I see nods. Mm -hmm. How about emotional changes and crying at weird times? Commercials, people saying things to you, a picture. Emotional. Some of the great things. Feeling movement, especially for the first time. Such a blessing. I was blessed to go through pregnancy with my twin sister. I was pregnant first, about two months into my pregnancy. Um, my twin sister said that she was also pregnant. 
I wasn't Elizabeth saying, oh gosh, blessed are you, but I was like, girl, it's hard. I'm nauseous, I'm sick, you know, I hope you don't have to go through these th same things. But I was blessed to go through that time with her. Our sons were born nine weeks apart, and it kind of gave my husband a break from all of my whining. Yes, I did. I whined. Sorry, hon. I love you. Thank you so much. But I had someone else going through the same issues that I had. You know, it's a blessing to go through certain stages of your life with someone who can understand and sympathize with you. We have Jesus that goes through all of our stages of life, so we don't ever have to be alone going through those stages. We also see two cousins sharing in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was not only a part of their lives, but as well as their sons as well. Elizabeth and Mary knew their sons would be used mightily for the work of God. That's a blessing in itself. Number three, how about two cousins sharing in the gift of praise for being noticed by an almighty God and being used for his purpose and his glory. Mary's song of praise begins in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. The first few verses of praise say, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. Psalms 127.3 says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And so also being a gift, they are also uniquely called. Celebrate that gift, the calling that God has placed. He gave them to us, and we can be thankful for that. We can start by helping our children by praying for them and educating them in the ways of the Lord. And we can do that because we have the Bible. We have his word that we can start teaching them the ways of the Lord. We do baby dedications here, and one of the gifts, of course, is a children's Bible. It's colorful. It has Bible stories that we can read to them, we can teach them from, they can learn from, and then, you know, they will start to follow that. James 1.17 says, all good gifts come from God. As we help our children follow the Lord, we'll be able to start seeing those gifts that he has given to them. With more than one child, or if you're planning to have more than one child, we could see different gifts that the Lord blesses them with. Not everyone is blessed in the same gifting. We're all different, but we are all still blessed. And we can be blessed by the giftings that someone else has. So that is also a blessing. Let's celebrate each other this day in the many gifts of the Spirit from our Father in Heaven through the Son who sacrificed all for each one of us. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Let's thank Donna one more time for doing a great job with our women's ministry. Awesome. <clears throat> pray with me. Lord, thank you for today. I pray you would give me a loving boldness. God, for the people that sit in this room right now, I pray, Lord, that we would look beyond anything that we've ever accepted as truth 
beyond the word of God and accept that your word holds the authority far above any opinion of any person. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Timothy 1.5, Paul is writing to a son, spiritual son of his. And in 1 Timothy 1.5, he says, The purpose of my instructions is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, clear conscience, and genuine faith. So first let me begin by saying that the tone and the beginning parts of this message, I carry with me the attitude of the Apostle Paul that all believers, so that makes a qualification because what I'm going to do here in the beginning of my assignment is to talk about the Word of God and what it says about life and what it says about the gift of motherhood. But if you don't accept the authority of the Word of God, then we're starting on a different level. But I would ask this. I certainly know that being in church at Greater Life Church, percentage-wise, there are many that would agree with everything that I'm about to say, but I also understand and I hope and I pray that if there are those in here that are learning something new, that at the very least you would say, God, open my heart to what you want to say. I believe we look at creation and we cannot ever Look at this world and say that this happened on a happy accident one afternoon. Many times we use the argument of how a building would come together, that it takes an architect, it takes intentionality, it takes planning, it takes builders, it takes intelligence. I would argue that if when you drive out today, you'll see stacks and stacks of steel that are going to go up on the foundation of the building project that we have out back. Well, if a tornado happened, it would not pick up the steel and put it in place. And that's the argument of evolution. But even far more accelerated. So we've got to start understanding that God is the creator of it all. And in Colossians, we understand that Jesus is in all of it and holds all of it together. And if we understand that there is a creator then we also can begin to accept that there are differences in his creation. The thing that makes humanity different is that we carry with us a spirit. We are created in the image of God and our creator is spirit. We all have a beginning, but we do not have an end. There is eternity in the heart of men and women. We have this beginning And then we have an eternity that will be in one of two places, heaven or hell. What we do in this life will determine where we we spend our eternity. Being spirit, Jesus came to declare that there is no longer worship in one place or in one way, but worship is in spirit and in truth. So that's how we communicate with God who is spirit. The sermon today is... An abandonment from my original sermon, which was the gifts of the Spirit, and I'll pick it back up next week. But on Friday, I just could not run away from the topic that God had called me 
to deliver and to share with you today the gift of motherhood. Let me begin by acknowledging the fact that at the end of our time here, we want to have special prayer because I understand that there are women that are hurting in this room. And we want to pray for you. And there are different reasons that you may be hurting today, but we want to pray for you. And I believe if you'll give God a chance, he can heal your heart. But I also believe if pride and stubbornness takes hold, then you'll walk out of here as broken as you walked in. I have been praying for you. And from this pastor, please allow God to do something in your life today. Before we get too far into what we're going to talk about, I want to put away the idea, men, that you don't need to pay attention. You can be on your phone playing golf or whatever. And let's do that by this. If you're If you're a mother in the room today, then simply raise your hand. Now, if you have a mother, would you also raise your hand? We're all on the same page. Are you with me? You see, what we're talking about today is the gift of motherhood, and the gift of motherhood is life. Let me begin with a picture of a 24-week-old baby. This little child... It's 24 weeks. In the United Kingdom today, there is a law that says doctors and nurses and medical personnel are not to refer to that child as a baby. They are to say pregnancy. They do not acknowledge up until 24 weeks that the pregnancy is a baby at all. And they use that terminology throughout that medical care of that mother. I say that to say this is what a 24-week-old baby looks like. With science and development, did you know that the baby can be viable outside of the womb at now 21 weeks, half of gestation process? I found the greatest argument for life in the womb in the story of what Donna just shared with you. That John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit before he was born. And I can tell you right now, if there's no other greater evidence for the believer, again, the believer, if there's no other greater evidence for the believer, it is the fact that the Holy Spirit can touch the spirit of a human within the womb, and that is a life. Did you know that John the Baptist was about 24 weeks old when this happened in his life? How do you know that, Pastor? You do the math. Mary had a visit from Angel Gabriel and went to see Elizabeth right away, which by the time she went to see Elizabeth, Jesus was only about four or five weeks old. But Jesus within the womb made John the Baptist leap with joy. So the four and five week old Jesus in the womb was a human life and John the Baptist, 24 weeks old, received the Holy Ghost. It's also a human life. But I'm not done yet. I just want to start with saying, if you're broken, 
because you've walked this through and in your own personal life, say, Pastor, I don't want to sit here and feel guilty the rest of this service because I actually had an abortion. Statistics show us that the rate we're going at, one in three women in our society today will have had an abortion. And I'm telling you that my Bible says that you can find forgiveness and wholeness and healing in Jesus' name. It's coming. Just hang on. Give me a few minutes. I want, I want to pray for you. Right now, abortion stands at the top as the greatest killer in human history. This graphic will show you that the Holocaust killed 11 million people. Genghis Khan killed 40 million people. Abortion, when this chart was given, was 61 million since 1973. Now it's almost 63. The reason why this is an important number is the person who started this process of abortion, her name was Roe, Jane Roe. Did you know that Jane Roe, you can go look it up on your own, has given her heart to Christ? And there is many video testimonies of how she has battled with this outcome because she was used by a pawn by the enemy of her soul. And for far too long, believers have been confused about this topic. A life is a life. And for us to say it's not, well, it's their choice. Listen, Men, many times, they're saying, well, you can't say nothing. You don't have a uterus. You don't have the ability to, give, to have children. You, you can't say nothing like that. I would say, men, if you're in the room today and you see a child being abused, you better step in. Men, if you're in the room today and you know that there's a child that lives next door under neglect and great abuse, you better call somebody. You better do something. If a life is a life in the womb, then we've got to have the audacity and the boldness that comes from God that we've got to pray and we've got to speak in love to those people. I can tell you that the ears are closed by the enemy. But Proverbs 31.8 reminds us that we are called, yea, commanded to speak for the ones who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Destitute, by definition, is forsaken. Which brings me to a 1997 story in Germany, the Oldenburg baby, whose name was, ended up being Tim. In the 25th week, he was aborted, and yet he was born alive and laid on a table in that medical facility and left for nine hours, moving and breathing alone. After nine hours, someone walked by this little baby and basically came back to collect the corpse while Tim was still alive. And somehow the Holy Spirit broke into that person's heart and gave them compassion and they saved little Tim and gave him the care that he needed. He was adopted. All of the damage that had happened to him was irreparable, the doctors say, but I'm telling you today that Tim is walking, talking, and fine motor skills and he is a human being and he's living a life. Another girl that was aborted, her name was Jessen. Gianna Jessen. She was a victim of a saline abortion at seven months, and she was born alive and had many physical disabilities due to that lack of oxygen that happened. She defied the odds, and after four surgeries and physical therapy, she is a pro-life advocate today who carried the Olympic torch, and in the early 90s, she has tes testified before Congress numerous occasions, on numerous occasions. These are only two stories of survival, and there are hundreds. 
Why does it matter, Pastor Andrew? It's their choice. It's not their choice. Even now, we have been so hardened to the life of the least of these and the smallest of these that laws are literally being passed where they can neglect a baby outside of the womb for weeks on end, and if it dies, they will not be held accountable because they have not broken any law in that particular state. No one can argue that it's not a life anymore. Science has been developed, but I, can I tell you something? We've been saying it's a life for a long time because Scripture hasn't changed. Scientists are beginning to catch up and they're beginning to say one of the arguments, well, they can, they can have that abortion. They can do that procedure because there's no pain involved. At six weeks, that baby in the womb can feel every bit of pain that you and I can feel. Science has proven otherwise. And if people would have just listened to what this said in the beginning, we wouldn't have been so confused. Personhood. Well, they don't, they're not conscious of themselves and they're, they're not a person. Can I tell you that this preacher about went on a ventilator two years ago and I would have been unconscious and not been aware of my personhood while I was on the vent. Is it okay to kill me? No. That argument doesn't hold water. I don't want anybody to feel like I'm fussing. I'm taking us somewhere. Why does it matter? It matters because 63 million lives were stolen from the human race under the guise of choice. Do you know that Steve Jobs was a fa the founder of Apple? Mother at 23 years old almost aborted Steve, but instead put him up for adoption to Paul and Clara who raised him. Everybody in here has got one of those phones. And whether you're thankful for it or not, that's the, this is the reality. Tim Tebow, football player, and now well-known prominent speaker at Christian events. His mother Pam was encouraged to abort him. Why? Because there was complications. He may not have been born with all his abilities, and she may have died is what the doctors told her. She decided that this is a life that I'm willing to, to, to carry it through to term. Jesse Jackson was the product of rape, and was, his mother was pressured to abort that child. So the rape argument doesn't hold water either, friends. It's like this. To be a victim of rape is a terrible thing, and we've got to be compassionate, we've got to be loving, and we've got to make sure that we're leaning in as the body of Christ. But at the end of the day, the violence of the rape that made the, the, the woman pregnant there's three choices. You carry that baby to full term and give it up for adoption. Or two choices. Or you abort that baby. You pay someone else to be violent against the, the baby in your womb. So violence begets violence. Justin Bieber, Celine Dion, Oprah Winfrey are three more people that you know right out of the gate. You know their name. They were all, believe it or not, their mothers almost aborted them. Why does it matter? I wonder what these 63 million precious lives could accomplish in this world today. I wonder how many preachers and missionaries, doctors, lawyers, professionals, I wonder what they could have done. We will never know. 
I'm telling you, saints of God, the time has come for us not to be in the gray anymore. And we do not, and we cannot, and we should not be in a position where we're throwing stones because throwing stones will only get them hurt and you too. None of us can throw stones. The appropriate response is speak the truth in love and pray for them to open their eyes. Amen? It's a spiritual battle, always has been. There are many more stories that I could go on, but let me talk about the gift of motherhood. The gift of motherhood, number two on your note sheets, the gift of a new life. God is pro-life in Genesis 1.28, be fruitful and multiply. One of the dads in the church came up to me after the first service and said, hey man, I saw you looking at me. I'm gonna tell my wife, I gotta go, we gotta keep going. And they already got about 25 kids, something like that. I was like, man, don't blame me, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> in Exodus 21, we see the, uh, in, in the book of Exodus, we see the laws that God put forth for his people to live. And in Exodus 21, we see God addressing the pregnant woman that becomes hurt in an altercation. If the baby dies, the person that caused that was held at the same judgment as if murder has occurred because it did in God's eyes. Psalm 139 speaks in great detail about how God knit us together while still in the womb. Why would God waste the time in the womb if there wasn't a life there? Jeremiah 1.5, God knows us while we are still in the womb. We preach it, we pray it, we believe it, that God knew you before you were born. He called you before you were born, before you took your first breath. And yet we go and we say there's choice in the matter. John 10, 11, 12, uh, Job 10, 11, and 12 says, Your hands shaped me and made me, clothed me with skin and flesh, knit me together with bones and sinews. You gave me life. You showed me kindness. And in your providence, you watched over my spirit. The spirit of humanity begins in the womb. One of the greatest arguments that God recognizes this life is in Luke chapter 1, verse 15, when the scriptures had said, this baby named John will be filled with the Holy Spirit before he leaves the womb. God doesn't give names to clumps of cells. He gives names to people. Amen? And in that one interaction, you have Jesus five or six weeks old. You have John 24 weeks old. And I'm telling you, we got to stop putting weeks and it's okay up until this point. And it's okay up until that point. It's never okay. Satan has been trying to attack the identity and the dignity and the destiny of humanity since the Garden of Eden. We read through the Old Testament how God condemned again and again that the Israelites were never to offer their children up as sacrifices to false gods because that was a thing back then. Can I tell you, if they had the technology we have today, they probably would have done it in the womb because it would have been easier. Abortion is simply that. It is another approach or another way to bring this about, and it's evil to its core. 
The gift of motherhood is a gift of a new life. Number three, a gift of responsibility. Yeah, something comes with that. That's why we did a baby dedication. Church family, we walked through this out together. If you're struggling out there, we want to help. We want to step in. Isaiah 66, God talks about how a mother comforts. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 says, A mother is gentle and caring, but we prove to be gentle among you as nursing mothers tenderly care for their own children. Proverbs 1, 8, a mother teaches. 1 Kings chapter 3, we see a story of King Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived. Two women show up, and there's one baby that they have. One baby that's alive and one baby that's dead. One had died in the night and the other woman, it turns out, had taken the alive baby and swapped them. Well, Solomon said, well, the solution is let's take the live baby and split it in half and give it to these moms. And the real mom stepped up and said, no, let her have it. Let her have them. Why? Because a mother protects and defends. Can I tell you one of the things that we can pray for as a church is that the spirit of motherhood rises again in ladies all over the world and they do not look at that as an inconvenience or a growth or something that's invading their body. They look at it as something to be protected and defended in Jesus' name. Number four, the gift of security. The scripture reminds us in the Ten Commandments to honor our parents. It is the only commandment with a promise. To honor is not just to obey, it is to care and to respect for. Mothers, it's a gift of security for you to have children. And if they're not giving you that type of support, then they should. It is a calling, a responsibility, a privilege. One of the reasons that I had kids is so I can stay with them when I get old. And eat their food and make, the, make messes at their house. Anybody else looking forward to the day? First Timothy 5, 4 says, But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they must first learn to practice piety or to take care of them in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. Sons and daughters, we've got to take care of mom. Jesus had the mental capacity while hanging on the cross to look down at John, one of his followers, and say, John, take care of my mom. He was literally saving the world at the time. But though, hey, take care of my mom. I don't need to keep preaching, but I need to tell you what we're praying for now. I do not want to avoid the topic of barren women. I know Mother's Day is hard for the woman that has sought, prayed, hoped. I'll give you a couple of things. If that's you in here today, I want you to understand that God's story, the story of his nation, the story of his people has been one where he comes against barrenness. 
The story of Sarah, who was Abraham's wife, she gave birth to Isaac late in her years and she was no longer barren. Rachel, who gave birth to Joseph. Zorah was another woman who gave birth to Samson. Hannah, who gave birth to Samuel. Elizabeth, who gave birth to John the Baptist. Again and again, we see God intervening on the behalf of the barren woman and blessing her. At this time, I'd like for Kelly, would you pray over that? Here, pay attention to what we're doing for just a moment. Prayer team, would you guys go ahead and stand? And for the sake of convenience and for the sake of making this happen quickly, you know what? I didn't just say quickly. We're going to make this happen. We need to make this happen. If you're in here today and you say, Pastor, I've been praying and God hadn't done it yet then we want to pray for you. There's no shame in this. Say, Pastor, I've been praying. If that's you, woman of faith, stand. This prayer team is going to move to you right now. Stand right now. Prayer team's going to move and stand beside you if you pray and believing for God to work a miracle right there. Anybody else right there? Hallelujah, right here. Go ahead, Kelly. Anybody else? Anybody else? Quickly, quickly, right here. Hallelujah. And you can stand in the gap for someone else if you like. Yep, right here. Come on. Jesus. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Growing up, I knew I wanted children. Wes and I wanted a family, but found it more difficult than we thought it would be. In 2008, I had a miscarriage on Mother's Day weekend. Having children became a battle we thought we would never win. In September 2009, after a few surgeries and induced menopause, Wes and I decided to give the whole baby situation to God. I'm sure we had given it to him a few hundred times before, but this time was different. We had all decided that a hysterectomy was best, but God. I went to a pre-op appointment, trusting in God to do what he wills. The doctor wanted to try one more test. I passed or failed, however you want to say it, and instead of surgery, they wanted to postpone it for six months and treat another diagnosis. It worked. In November 2010, I gave birth to our first daughter. We named her Eliana, meaning God has answered my prayers. And then came Audrey, meaning noble strength. It took a lot of prayers and a lot of strength, but God had them both waiting for us to receive it. I don't know if you've been struggling for two months or 10 years, but I do know that God is in control and knows your situation. If you are going through a similar situation or know someone that is, I wanna pray for you to believe God's perfect will in your life. Father God, your word says, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. I ask you to comfort these women who may be in this situation to give them peace beyond our understanding. We know your will is perfect and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I know from personal experience that these times can be so exhausting. I pray for strength over these families to keep moving forward and keep looking to you. Psalm 27 says, Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Show these women your goodness and help them to be brave during these times. 
calm her fears and worries, relieve her anxieties and aching heart, provide her opportunities to nurture, use her gifts, and minister to others for your glory. We trust, Lord, that you are with her and can bring comfort and rest that she needs. Remind her of her worth, that she is made in your image, that you love her unconditionally. We pray for all of this and agree in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. I'd like to read a scripture. Mayor and Mom, listen to me. First of all, we're gonna pray. You can be seated if you've done praying. We're gonna pray for a miracle, but Psalm 113, nine says, he makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children, praise the Lord. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. And we're gonna believe that God's hand will become, come upon you first to give you joy. And then we're gonna believe the miracle of motherhood would find its way to you, amen. Secondly, I'd like to talk about the spirit of adoption. We have a few in the church that have adopted children, and I want to pray that God's hand would be upon us as a church to pray and to be ready to serve in this great calling, adoption and foster care. Kelly, would you pray for the spirit of adoption in the church? Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we come to you right now, Lord, and Lord, you know our hearts, Lord, you know, you know these children out there that are being born, Lord, Lord, that don't have a mom, or, they, or their mom doesn't, can't have them, Lord, Lord, right now, I pray in Jesus' name that you will be with those children, Lord, will you be with those parents, Lord Jesus, and Lord, I just pray right now that you will have those choices those parents these moms are making Lord that they would make a choice to have these babies to put them in a home that wants wants children Lord Lord I pray right now your hand will be upon them Lord and you will give them favor in the name of Jesus and Jesus we pray this in your name There's three things I want to clump together right now, but it all goes under this category of shame. Maybe you're a mother in here today and the shame that you're carrying is that you've had an abortion. Maybe you're a woman in here and you, you may not be a mother, but you've had an abortion. Like I mentioned, the rate where we're going at, one in three women will have had an abortion. And so it's not uncommon, but God forgives and he wants to forgive. So the first category when we ask you to stand is the shame that you carry that you've had an abortion. The second one is the shame that my kid is away from God and it's a prod he, he or she is a prodigal and I don't know what I did wrong and I don't know how I can do different, but, but they are not living for God. And, and I walk with this burden every day. You may have a prodigal child in your life. The third thing is this, mom, you know you messed up. You know you made mistakes. Your child may still be in your house. They may not. But at the end of the day, I want God to heal you of that shame, to take that away from you, 
Let me read this scripture in Micah chapter 7, verse 18. It says, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression? For the remnant of his inheritance, he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. And you, Lord, will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Today, be free. Those three things I'd like Linda to share and to pray over those. Go ahead and share, Linda. Um, I just want to speak to those who have had abortions. And before I married Victor, I had several abortions. And I walked in shame and guilt for many years. And when the Lord touched my life, and I repented and really realized what I, what I did, he gave me a new start. And my heart goes out to women that have walked in this because it's not the unpardonable sin it's not the unpardonable so be brave and be courageous and stand because there is healing for you and it's the same with the prodigal it's the same with everything that pastor just said you have to take the first step I had to take the first step I had to realize and once I did God was right there so nothing's too big there's nothing that you've done. And, and I want to address this to the men. Yeah. Because in my case, I was forced into it by a man. So men, if that was you, right. God wants to forgive you also. Amen. Amen. So Father, we pray, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, for these women, Father, that carry the burden of guilt and shame. I pray, Father, today, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would so come, Lord Jesus, and break down, break down those barriers, Father. And according, God, to Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6, your word teaches us to trust you, not to lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge you. And we acknowledge you today, Father, as Lord and Savior of our life to set us free and to bring healing and restoration because that's the God we serve. Nothing is too big and nothing is so bad that we've done that you cannot forgive. And I thank you for the shed blood of Jesus Christ that covers your children today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Could you stand? Let's end our time today in a moment of worship. Thank you, Jesus. On you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping rejoicing he is for you he is for you 
let's worship the Lord. Lord, we pray that what we talked about today resonates, stays with us. God, we acknowledge that it is not a political issue at all. It's a biblical issue. So Lord, may our hearts be burdened to pray for those little lives. And may we be burdened to those that have walked this out and carry the shame of that experience. God, for the mothers in the room that may have lost a child in a miscarriage, may you also comfort. I don't really know, Lord, what it's going to look like in heaven, but I do know there's going to be some wonderful reunions. And God, I believe that when we find forgiveness on this side, that precious little one that may even have been aborted (laughs) will come running to that mom. Because God, that's how you are. And Lord, that all of these women that are here today and even the men in the room that may carry the shame being involved in that. God, that we would release that to you, to the God who forgives. And may we be reminded today that the power of the cross is not weak in this regard. It is powerful enough to wash away that sin. Let us walk in that freedom. And God, let us pray with purpose in the days ahead. Lord, I thank you that the numbers of this industry called abortion are going the other direction now. That the sentiment of humanity 
of young adults have seen the science and understand that it is a life. And the percentage of people that approve of this process, this procedure, this murder in the womb is going down year after year. God, you are winning. And Lord, I declare that the complete and total victory be won in Jesus' name. Let the church of God arise. Let there be no confusion. Your word is what we stand on here at GLC each and every day. Lord, protect. Protect those babies. Bring salvation to those moms. Raise up a standard against this attack, against humanity. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We hope to see you next week. Also, encourage you, be in prayer about this. Stay vigilant, amen. God bless you.